0: we're continuing our series called the essentials why truth matters what do we actually need when it comes to the christian faith there's an old comedy western movie that sometimes i pull out and like the lot to watch it's, it's not a dvd but this came out long before dvds existed but there's this uh, this this comedy called the shakiest gun in the west and one of my favorite actors, is his name is Don Knotts. And there's a generation that knows who Don Knotts is. And then there's a certain generation that they have no idea. But in this movie, he is walking through a desert. And, and it's hot, as you can imagine, and he gets thirsty. And so as he is walking through, he, this, he says this phrase, Water, 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 I need water. Eventually, he sees an oasis in the distance, gets really excited, and so he starts to move quickly to the water, only to find out that it was a mirage. So now he has dived in a pile of sand. He is now more thirsty than he was before, but he keeps the pursuit going. Water, water, water. I need water. He sees another oasis in the distance. But he's like, you know what? That was a mind game. Not going that direction again. I'm going to keep on walking. Except this time, it isn't a mirage. It is actually fresh, cold water. But he ignores it and walks right in. And he goes from saying, water. Water, water, to the phrase, air, 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 I need air, because he is now drowning in the very thing that he desperately wanted. Well, when it comes to the essentials for the human being, obviously we need water and we need air. But seriously, though, in this series, we are walking through a statement of core beliefs, the essentials of the Christian faith called the Apostles' Creed. And today we're going to focus on the phrase, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Just like we need water, just like we need air, as the believer, we need the Holy Spirit. The passage that we'll look at today is Acts chapter 8. We're going to go through verses 9 through 24. If you have a Bible, you can turn there or it will be on the screen. Or you can just listen because I'm going to read it. Starting in verse 9, Acts chapter 8. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when They believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when the apostle at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, "May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of money with gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in gall of bitterness, in the bond of iniquity." And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. God's word. There is so much to learn about the Holy Spirit. Even at the stage of my life, I just continue to learn more and more. And the more I learn, the more encouraged I am about what what the whole discussion about this, this part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, involves. We know that Jesus said the helper or the comforter would come in John sixteen seven. In the Great Commission, Jesus encouraged his followers of making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Today we're reviewing this passage in Acts 8, but in Acts 2, a couple chapters earlier, there was a special day called Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit visited the church and worked in a powerful, powerful way. Today, we're going to look at a story account in Acts, and it's written by one of the disciples named Luke. And we'll look at the passage, though, from two different vantage points and three different scenes. So, the first scene that we're looking at is the confrontation, the spectacle versus the Spirit. Luke historically is recording, though, the ministry of someone named Philip. Philip has been proclaiming Christ to all the people in Samaria, which is where Jesus said to witness. Back in the Great Commission, Jesus said to go out and uh, teach all nations, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So Philip has been doing just that. He has been casting out demons, healing the sick and the lame, according to Acts chapter eight, verses five through seven. And as a result, in Acts eight eight, they state or the passage states that there is great joy in this city. That word joy, I want that to stand out a little bit throughout uh, this time together. There was much joy in the city. It is in this setting that today's account takes place. So let's uh, let's back up a little bit and go over the first five verses again so it's fresh in our mind. Uh, Going back to verse 9, there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time So what do we learn about Simon in these first five verses? We know that he was practicing magic in the city. We know that he amazed the people of Samaria. He he proclaimed that he himself was somebody great. Everybody paid attention to him, it says in that passage, all. Didn't matter the age, the class, the position in society, the least to greatest, everybody knew who Simon was. They believe this person must be of God, that he was great. And that is where the problem starts. In verse 10, they're ascribing him to Yahweh. So the stage is set between a cosmic confrontation between Satan's power via Simon and the Holy Spirit's power through Philip. Even though Simon amazed people in Samaria for a long time, according to verse 11, when Philip came and preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, the city was so moved that they believed and were baptized both men and women. Philip Preaching about the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ, led to a dramatic shift in this city. I don't know if there's something to go back in time to see. That would be something special. There was a joy. The joy that was coming to the cities like Samaria was not the result of some big, amazing structure, it was not the result of any man made uh, accomplishments. Or wonders. The joy that was coming to this city, to this area, was the result of captives being set free in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's go back to another passage written by Luke. In Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 20, Jesus is sending out 72. After he sent them out, eventually they come back, return from their trip with joy. So let's read about that. This is Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. Why did they have this joy? Verse 17, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, this is Jesus, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. On this trip, the joy didn't come from the amazing acts of walking on snakes, which sounds terrible, or scorpions, or the power over the enemy. The rejoicing was in the fact that names are being written in heaven. However, for Simon, in today's text, that's where the conflict is at. In verse 13, it tells us that even Simon believed and was baptized and continued with Philip. But what is unusual about Simon following Philip? In verse 13, the focus was on the signs and the miracles being performed. He was all eyeballs. I get to see this in kids' ministry. Anytime something new or all eyeballs, big eyeballs. Okay, and you know, I, you know what I mean by when I say that? They're all, I am so amazed by what they see. And in a sense, it seems like for Simon, it was these signs and works of the Spirit's power that was the central attraction rather than the person of Jesus. He was attracted to the spectacle. Now, to clarify, it is not wrong to be attracted by God's amazing works. The God stories that only He can do I tell you what, when I read or hear a testimony of how God did something in a person's life or, or someone experienced healing or whatever, like that, it like melts my heart to hear of God's stories. I'm not trying to take away from, from that at all. It's just that the focus was on the wrong thing. As mentioned in John 16:14, the spirit glorifies and directs people. To Jesus, So, Simon's sorcery and magic was confronted by a more powerful and greater supernatural work. In the first point, we have the spectacle versus the spirit. That confrontation sets up a crisis in Simon's heart. Something that, that Simon has to wrestle through. And the crisis is going to be revealed in this second scene. So, point two, the confusion. Gained versus given. Let's go back to verse 14 to review the next six verses. It says, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to, him, sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus." Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of hands of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So up until this point, the growing church was primarily Jewish. In obedience to the Great Commission, the good news of the gospel needed to spread to all nations. In verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria, like it it happened, it's happening, Samaria received the word of God. This was great news for them. So they sent Peter and John to confirm the gospel movement in this new area. The Samaritan people, what did they do? Immediately, they prayed for them. Specifically, they prayed that they would receive the Holy Spirit. The Samaritans did not have their day of Pentecost, the Pentecost moment. So in verse 17, they laid their hands on these newly baptized followers, and the verse says that they received the Holy Spirit. What a special moment for them. And the church. The Samaritans were no longer outsiders. They were fully included. In verse 18 and 19, Simon is observing this powerful moment and he wants to be a part of it. But he believes this power can be purchased with money. Obviously, Simon is confused at how to gain the Holy Spirit. Many things can be purchased with money. Cars, you know, homes, boats, vacation, cups of coffee. (laughs) Had to throw that one in there because I tend to like cups of coffee. But newsflash, the Holy Spirit cannot be purchased with money. The Spirit is given by the Father and the Son to those who believe. But Simon wanted this, this power, as the passage reads, Simon wanted this power or authority to lay hands on on those and that that he could issue in the Holy Spirit. You know, we might be picking on Simon a little bit today, but really he is kind of like the rest of humanity. We live in a world where you work for things. We live in a world where we try to earn favor with others. We live in a world where if we follow the right steps, we can change our condition. We live in a world that money empowers people. However, I am so thankful that the gift of the Spirit is truly a gift. I don't have to work for the Spirit, I don't have to earn the Spirit or buy the Spirit. Currency is not needed. Rather, the Spirit is given as a gift. From God, sent by the Father and the Son to equip and empower the believer. Again, sent by the Father and the Son to equip and empower the believer. According to Galatians chapter 3, we receive the Spirit in faith. So in this second scene, we have the confusion. The confusion is gained versus given. So we move into the third scene of this passage, the correction. Religiosity versus repentance. So let's go to the final verses in today's text. Back to verse 20. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray that the Lord, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gull of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Well, I don't know if you caught this. But Peter's response, you know, sometimes when someone says a text message, you don't quite know the tone of it. Was it, was it like said gently or harshly? I don't know. Maybe I should just call them. But Peter's response, he, he surely didn't sugarcoat the thoughts of Simon's request, did he? So right out of the gate, Peter says to Simon, Simon, may your silver, your money, perish with you. Simon, your heart is not right before God. Simon, repent. Simon, you're wicked. Simon, you're in bondage to sin. I don't know if you've ever met someone that is what we'd call a straight shooter. They say it as it is. Um, And there's there's no holding back. And that is the case with Peter here. He doesn't waste any time. There's no filter. He just goes straight at it. But how does Simon respond? Clearly, there still seems to be some confusion. Simon asks Peter to pray for him. Hey, Peter, repent for me. That none of this comes true. You know, tragically, we don't really even know if Simon ever does come to an understanding. But a person can't receive the gift of the Holy Spirit if they first haven't accepted the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Simon doesn't understand that he has access to God the Father because of Jesus Christ and can receive the Holy Spirit's ministering power. So I just need to pause for a moment. It's possible that in a group this size, that there might be some in here that, I hate to admit it, but I'm kind of like Simon. I'm a little confused. I I don't quite understand what is being said. Well, I, you, we, we all have access. We all can respond. In our younger ministries, we review the basic idea of responding to the gospel. We have different pictures that mean different things, but there's one that has open hands in in the words that go with it as we respond. And what do we mean by that? The ABCs. A, admitting to God that I sinned. B, believing that Jesus is God's son. And receiving God's gift of forgiveness for my sin. And then, C is confess your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. A good passage that goes with that is Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. I don't know if it's on the screen or not. But Romans 10, 9, 10 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth confession and one is saved. Salvation is a gift to be received. So going back to Simon, he doesn't need Peter To pray for him. Simon needed to repent and redirect his faith to Jesus. Again, a person can't receive the gift of the Holy Spirit if they haven't first accepted the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. So in point three, we have religiosity versus religion, or I'm sorry, or religion. I'm going to call, that word is a little tough to say, religiosity, so I'm going to go with the word religion. In many times, religious circles, we actually fight against religion. And what do we, what do we mean by that? It's the belief in religious acts. If, if doing good works, if I can do enough good works, if I attend church, if I tithe, I can start to earn favor with God. If I can do enough good, it will outweigh the bad that I do in or maybe altogether. Maybe I could just buy it. Maybe I could just buy salvation, buy what I desire, kind of like what Simon was doing. Simon wanted to earn or to pay for power, but was totally missing the mark. The solution to religion that Peter confronted Simon with is repentance to wave that white flag of surrender surrendering your will for God's will to surrender repent and receive the gift of the holy spirit our message today sits on that reality the big idea for today's message is the holy spirit comes as the gift of God who changes hearts You know, we're going over the essentials of the faith and like air to breathe, so the believer needs the encouraging help that the Holy Spirit provides. During one of many meals that Jesus had with his disciples, one of the disciples brought up a question, hey Jesus, how do we pray? And So he took time to teach them how to pray and provided them a model prayer that we know very well today. But then a little bit later, in that meal, he addressed the Holy Spirit. And so I would like to read Luke chapter 11, verses 10 to 13. Because following that prayer, in, that, in those couple verses later, he gives direct insight on how much the Heavenly Father desires to give you the Holy Spirit. So Luke chapter 11, verse 10, Jesus says this, For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. What father among you, if, you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Our Heavenly Father wants us to receive the Holy Spirit. The gift will change your heart and bring new levels of encouragement. A few years ago, actually it's more than a few years ago because it was probably middle school. (laughs) I visited the world's largest water park and it's lost that title, but at the time it was. And my favorite part of this water park was the wave pool. And the wave pool is probably a little bit bigger than this space right here. In the pool, there were people on rafts. Uh, some people are just floating around uh, and swimming. But every once in a while, there would be this sound that would go off to caution people that the waves are coming. And it is a, to me, it's something that I really enjoyed. However, one time the 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 sound went off and i was in the deep not ready for what was about to happen i considered myself a good swimmer but as time passed i started to struggle to stay above the water i tried to swim to shallower water but the waves wouldn't let me at the time though i was too proud as a middle schooler, to scream for help. So, I started to think. Started to swallow some water. Eventually though, I got to the point where I wanted to live rather than die. So, my pride no longer mattered. There was a person floating on a raft that I could see, And at times I was below water and at times above water. But eventually I reached up and grabbed onto a complete stranger's raft because I didn't care about being embarrassed. I needed help. And I didn't care. Help was floating by in the waves. And all I had to do was to reach out and grab it. I don't know where you are today, but there are two levels of help floating by that we talked about. For some, it's that gift of salvation. For some, it's the, you have salvation, and you're in, in, you haven't totally understood or pursued or knocked As Jesus told his disciples, Heavenly Father wants to give you something that's going to help you. And and there's a pursuit there, there's an invitation. But where are you? Are you like me at times where I was too proud to, to scream and to ask for help? I was trying to go against the waves and try to stay afloat in life. Is a spirit right now working on you? Is a spirit working on you? It's probably not a mistake if if he is. You know, our Heavenly Father, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, deeply love you. There's no greater love than what they have to offer. Open yourself to receive all that can be offered and reach out.